0: Hebrews the third chapter and we will look at the last verse in chapter 3 and then the first two verses in chapter 4 as we get started tonight praise God amen now the Lord asked us a question towards the end of last year and and, uh, I keep it at the top of my notes on Wednesday night, a lot of the teaching that we've been doing on Wednesday night springs from this question. Amen. And the question is don't you want to know what kind of life is on the other side of that wall you keep hitting? Amen. Don't you want to know what kind of life's on the other side of that wall that you keep hitting? And um, you know there's different limits you know that seem to be uh, in our lives that sometimes we catch a glimpse of what's on the other side of that limit but It seems like we can't break through it or get on the other side of it. And, And, of course, what we see is that faith is how we break through those limits into the life that Father created us to live. Amen. So Hebrews 3 and 19, it says this, So we see that they could not enter in because of unbelief. Therefore, in light of what we've learned from past generations... Therefore, since a promise remains of entering His rest, let us fear lest any of you seem to have come short of it. For indeed the gospel was preached to us as well as to them, but the word which they heard did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in those who heard it. Now before we dig into these verses, I want to just give a little bit of a review tonight concerning the subject of rest, R-E-S-T, rest. I have said in the past, and I stand by it still tonight, that you can basically sum up everything Jesus came to do for us in one word, and that one word is, is rest. He came to give us rest. And so it's a little word that carries with it a really, really big meaning. Now, when you hear the word rest, it may mean something to you that it, you know, In other words, it may mean one thing to you and something else to another person. So I want to try to zero in on what rest is. But before we do that, just know that rest does not mean laziness. Rest does not mean doing nothing. Rest does not mean, you know, reclining back and, you know, eating popcorn um, while everything passes you by. That's That's not what the Bible means when it speaks of rest. Rest is when you enjoy the fruits of someone else's labor. It's when somebody else works and you enjoy the benefit of what they accomplished. Entering into rest means entering into the provisions, accomplishments, benefits opportunities way of life quality of life and rewards created by and resulting from work that has already been completed on your behalf by Jesus so when we speak of rest and we're not going to have time to really develop all of this tonight because we've got a specific target we're trying to hit but if we were to have read more, we would see that this particular section of the Scriptures speaks of rest coming in three different forms. The rest following the work of creation. The rest available to the Israelites following the work to get them out of Egypt. And then finally, the rest available to you and me because of the completed work of Jesus. So I'm wanting you to see a pattern, though, tonight. We didn't do anything to create this planet. God did all the work, and then on the sixth day created you and me, and then said, now let's rest. That doesn't mean that Adam and Eve were, were supposed to be lazy, nor does it mean that you and I are supposed to be lazy. But when He, when he told them to rest, He wanted them to enter into what He had created to enjoy what, what He had put in place and, and a system of, of, of sustaining them and, and, and stewardship over that system. Now we know that when they sinned, it turned their rest uh, and, and, and stewardship Tending is what he called. He told them to tend it. And, and it turned the tending into toiling, painful toil. That's another sermon for another night. But there's a pattern here. What did the Egyptians do to get themselves out of slavery in Egypt? They did nothing. God did all the heavy lifting there so that they could then be brought out of slavery in Egypt and then be brought into their promised land, into their best life, into the rest that God had prepared for them and then of course you know what Jesus did on our behalf making a way for us to now enter in to rest in our lives so what work did we do to create the earth nothing of course what work did we do even to be born physically born nothing what work did we do to be born again Now, if you're going to say, call on the name of the Lord, obviously that's what a person has to do to be born again. But compared to what Jesus did, I don't know if I would really want to call that hard work. Amen. That's rest. So in each of these three situations, someone else worked and we benefited from their efforts. Now, let me let you know something about God tonight. Jesus told us that God the Father is always busy. He's always at work. But at the same time, He's always at rest. He's not stressed tonight. He's not frustrated tonight. He's not aggravated tonight. He's not anxious tonight. He's not going to lose any sleep tonight. But well, he doesn't sleep, but you understand what I mean by that. So let's go back to it. Hebrews 3 and 19 speaks of a generation that came before us, and it says that we see, their example is that they could not enter in, and entering in, he's talking about entering into rest, they could not enter in because of unbelief. And since a promise remains of entering His rest, let us fear lest any of you seem to have come short of it. For indeed the gospel was preached to us as well as to them, but the word which they heard did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in those who heard it. So let's make sure we get the pronouns correct here tonight. He uses the pronoun them and he uses the pronoun us. Them and us. Them and us. The them is referring to... God's people, the Israelites, who were enslaved in Egypt, and we see that God brought them out of slavery in Egypt so that He could bring them into their best life, into the rest that He had prepared for them, right? But we see that that first generation did not enter into that rest because of one simple reason, because of unbelief. Now, we... we, see here's here's the problem that we have today in the body of Christ. Can I just talk plain to you for just a moment all right we want to we want to diagnose the problem as being anything but what it is. We want to say well it didn't happen because it wasn't God's time and it it didn't happen because of this problem or it didn't happen because of of, of whatever you know and 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 we never want to face the reality is that It's not happening because of unbelief. Now, see, we we live in such a politically correct world and a politically correct church world today that, you know, we've got to pretend like... Everybody is a faith ninja. Everybody understands faith. Everybody prays perfect prayers every time. Everybody stands in faith all the time. And nobody ever gets it wrong or, or whatever. And so if the prayer's not answered or if the rest is not entered into, it's because of God or it's because of whatever. And, and, and it's, we never want to own up to, you know, it's because of unbelief. If you read it carefully in the Scriptures... Every time somebody should have received and didn't receive and had the guts to ask Jesus why, Jesus gave them a straight-up answer. Because of your unbelief. Why did Peter sink? Because of his unbelief. Why could the disciples not cast out the the, the demon out of the little boy? Because of their unbelief. Now, I'm not, I'm not trying to beat you up tonight, but if we're going to mess around with all these other things and never get around to where the real issue is, then, you know, what are we doing? So we see that they did not enter in because of their own unbelief. Now, I want to try in the time that we've got remaining tonight. And when I say try, you know, amen. This is an exercise in faith. All right, I'm not, I don't mean that to sound negative. Listen to this, and I'm going to try to read this just straight out of my notes. It can sometimes be a bit challenging connecting large portions of Scripture together. Because when we study the Scriptures, we tend to study them a verse or two at a time. And sometimes, you know, I'm not saying that's wrong, but if we never connect the dots between large portions of Scripture and get the bigger picture of what God's trying to say to us, then we're going to miss the, the, the message that He's trying to communicate. So it's important then to understand the overall message. So please bear with me, and let's believe and work together tonight to receive what the Holy Spirit's saying to us. Amen? Now, I'm going to skip over a lot of verses that are important. Don't misunderstand me. To get to a dot that is, how do I say this? It's almost like two bookends. You know, this first bookend that we looked at here in 319, then the next two verses beginning chapter 4, verses 1 and 2. I want you to jump with me now to the same chapter, chapter 4, and let's go to verse number 14. Let's go to verse number 14. Seeing then that we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession... For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. Now on the surface, it almost seems like verses 1 and 2 are talking about one subject and then we work our way down and then we go to you know, verses 14 and 15 and somehow they're talking about a completely different subject. That's not the case. All of these verses are related. All of these verses are connected and all of these verses are being woven together by the Holy Spirit for our benefit and to paint a picture for us that we absolutely positively need to understand. Now, one of the things that we see in these verses is that the generation that God brought out of Egypt but never made it into their rest, they were held accountable for that. And now he says that you and I need to be diligent and we need to be concerned and and we need to be aware that there is a promise of rest available to you and me just like there was a promise of rest available to them that they never entered into and we do not need to follow that same example. Because the rest that was available to them was a temporary physical rest, while the rest that has been made available to you and me is both a spiritual and eternal rest. And I'm not talking about rest in peace in a grave somewhere. I'm talking about you having the confidence and the boldness and the, and the peace of God in your heart right here, right now, tonight that you can enjoy one day in heaven. So he says there's a promise of rest that's available and we need to be very aware of what it takes to enter into that rest. So if you'll notice the phrase let us, do you see that one in verse 14? Let us hold fast our confession. We see that in this case he's talking about not them but us right? He's talking about what we need to do to enter into the rest that has been made available to us and for us. And so he says, let us hold fast our confession. Now, when I say code, that's, that's probably not the right way to say this, but this word confession is, is like a code word for the entire subject of Faith for what the Bible teaches us about faith, remember faith comes by hearing faith that God has given to you let 's time out you ready Romans twelve three god 's given to every person the measure of faith so every person in this room every person every human being on planet earth has been given a measure of faith by their creator it 's inside of them the faith that is in you Romans ten and seventeen it is awakened it is aroused when you hear the Word of God. Faith by hearing, hearing by the Word of God. So the faith that's in humanity is is dormant within them, but it is awakened when they hear the Word of God. But if we are a hearer only, the Bible says we deceive ourselves. If we only hear the Word and never mix any kind of action with the Word faith without works is dead faith without works is dormant so there's a lot of people who hear the Word the Word of God arouses awakens faith within their hearts but if they never take the next step the force of faith that's within them is never released to make a difference in their lives are you hearing what I'm saying tonight my the Holy Spirit brought to my attention uh, there was a king in the book of Acts. King Agrippa was his name. And he was curious about a prisoner named Paul. And he asked if Paul could be brought before him and if he could hear uh, you know, what was the big deal about this, this, uh, this apostle, this, this guy named Paul. And so Paul comes and shares his personal intimate testimony before this king. Amen. And the king says basically, get this guy out of here. Because he almost persuades me to become a Christian. He almost persuades me to call upon the name of Jesus and be saved. What happened? The faith that was in King Agrippa's heart was awakened and aroused by the Word of God coming out of the Apostle Paul's mouth. It, it started to, to heat up, it started to, to rise to the surface. And all of a sudden he's, he's on the verge of taking the next step of faith to be born again, which is what? If you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus is the Son of God and that God the Father has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. I hope King Agrippa made that confession before he checked out of here. Or else he would be like so many people who heard the gospel, had faith awakened within them, but never took the next step to act on that faith and be born again. Now, this simple example of faith is how faith works every time. It's how faith works for healing. It's how faith works for prosperity. It's how faith works for deliverance. It's how faith works for for anything and everything that God has provided for you and me to receive. So when he said, hold fast, don't turn loose, don't back away, don't, don't cower down, but hold fast, stand firm, hold fast your confession. He's not, he's, he's implying a lot by that one word. Now, he says in verse 15, for we all of these words seeing then therefore for we all of these words are connecting words they're connecting one thought with the previous thought with the thought before that all again painting a bigger picture so now we come to this verse 15 for we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses but was in all point temp- all points tempted as we are yet without sin Now, believe it or not, this word weaknesses is a key word to unlock about 20 verses in Hebrews. This word weaknesses is speaking of, are you ready? Our inability to get results. It's a key word here. It's a word that paints a picture. And it's not just the picture of someone who is weak or wobbly. That's not the picture that he's painting here. When we hear weaknesses, other places, King James Version translates this word in other places in, in here, it translates it infirmities. And so when we hear this, you know, we think of somebody that's weak or somebody that's infirm. No, no, no. That's not what it means. It means. An inability to do things that need to be done. An inability to get results. It's painting the picture of someone struggling to do something, struggling to solve something, struggling to change something, struggling to fix something, and we could go on and on. Struggling to accomplish, struggling to get results, but unable to get the results they need and desire. That's what he's talking about here. Weaknesses. Now, the frustration and aggravation caused by our weaknesses creates the direct opposite of rest. Are you seeing the two tied together now? He's talking about entering into rest. And on the surface, it seems like these are two separate subjects, two separate sermons, two different messages. They're the same message. He's saying that there is a rest that's available to us But when we do not enter into rest because of our inability to get results, we experience the opposite of rest, which is frustration and aggravation caused by our weaknesses. I got the right bunch tonight? Am I the only one that's ever been frustrated? Am I the only one that's ever been aggravated? Am I the only one that's ever tried and tried and tried and tried some more and then redoubled my efforts and doubled them again to try to change something in, in my life still unable to get results? Only to become more frustrated. Only to become more aggravated. Now, what you need to understand about frustration, aggravation is that frustration and aggravation are the roots of so many dominant negative emotions in people's lives frustrated aggravated I, I from time to time ask groups of people just randomly I'll 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 ask teach in a class whatever I'll say just curious how many of you in here if you don't mind admitting it are angry and don't know why it's amazing the number of people that'll raise their hands live every day of their life with an underlying anger. And they don't even know why. They just, you know, just can't even figure out why they're just so angry, but at least little things sets them off. I mean, if somebody don't like shoot the hole out of a, a, a red light, you know, I mean, if they like pause two seconds after the thing turns green. It's like, dude, come on, man. What's so much for love your neighbor, right? I mean, that's out the window right there, man. I mean, it's like we're expecting this dude to like pop the clutch when the light turns green, like he's, you know, some kind of drag strip or something. And we're so on edge that if they don't, man, we're gonna, we're gonna let them know about it. You follow what I'm saying? Why is that? God didn't create us to live like that. That is torment, my friend. That is that is misery. Why? It's because of the frustration. There's an underlying root of frustration. That, that produces so many dominant negative emotions with anger being at the top of the list in our lives. The frustration and aggravation caused by our weaknesses creates the direct opposite of rest and are the roots of so many dominant and negative emotions in people's lives. This dilemma ties directly in with Jesus' invitation from Matthew 11, 28 and 29. This is what Jesus said to us. He invited us, come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I'll what? I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Now, rest is the result. Listen to me very carefully. I'm going to put this on the board, up on the screen. Rest is the result of using faith to access what Jesus has done for you and given to you in order to overcome your weaknesses, your inability to get results. That's a long sentence. I tried to to condense it further. But... I want to make sure you understand what rest is. Rest is the result of faith. Remember, they could not enter into rest because of unbelief. Right? So, if unbelief keeps you from entering into rest, what do you think belief slash faith will enable you to do? It will enable you to enter into the rest. But I want you to see this on a, on a more practical level. In other words, it's, it's not just some kind of you know magical thing. It's not just like if you accumulate enough faith points in the game that you earn your rest medallion. It's not what he's talking about here. Why does faith produce rest? and a lack of faith or unbelief prevent us from having it. It's because faith connects us to what Jesus has already done for us, which means we go from an inability to get results to entering into the results that He has bought and paid for on our behalf. Are you following me tonight? Let me try to give this to you in a a practical way. I can struggle every day of my life to try and make myself righteous and I will never succeed. Think about it now. There's a lot of people who are doing it. Struggle every day of my life to try and measure up and somehow earn God's favor somehow try to make myself good enough to be accepted by God. I can struggle every day of my life and I will never succeed. It's a weakness. It's an inability to get that result. It's not within me to do that. I can struggle every day of my life to try and make myself righteous and never succeed, or I can receive by faith the righteousness Jesus paid for on my behalf. Now, one of these sounds like weaknesses and one of these sounds like rest to me. I don't think it's hard to figure out which one is which. Struggling to try to make myself righteous when I can never do it That's a weakness. That's weaknesses, right? But trusting Jesus and receiving by faith the righteousness that He has paid for on my behalf, that's rest. That's rest. If you compare your struggle to change something you can never change to you instead receiving by faith the results Jesus has won for you, you're starting to see how Weakness, inability to get results on our part, and rest through faith in Jesus are related. Now, we got a few more minutes. You good? So, confession, I know we covered this a moment ago, but let me just confession means to say the same as, and is one of the most important fundamentals of faith. I'm not saying that all there is to faith is a confession, but it is the initial point of release. Faith is where? In the heart, with the heart man believes. Are you with me? With the heart man believes. So when you take the Word of God into your heart and it begins to awaken and strengthen faith within you, build faith within you, at some point, King Agrippa, at some point that faith has to be released. If it's never released, faith without an action of release, right? If it's never released, it'll never produce the results that it could have otherwise produced in your life. So, confessing the Word of God, saying what God says concerning your situation is an expression of agreement with God and an action that releases the force of faith from within you. Now, let's go back, in conclusion, let's go back to verses 1 and 2. Hebrews chapter 4, verses 1 and 2. Therefore, since a promise remains of entering His rest, let us fear, lest any of you seem to have come short of it. For indeed, the gospel was preached to us as well as to them, but the word which they heard did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in those who heard it. This word gospel, a lot of times when we hear the word gospel, we think the message of Jesus' life, crucifixion, death, burial, and resurrection. In other words, we think in terms of the gospel of salvation, what someone needs to hear and believe and respond to in order to be saved the gospel of Jesus is the gospel of the kingdom Okay. Jesus told us to preach the good news of his kingdom and in preaching the good news of the kingdom that will include how someone goes from being outside of the kingdom into the kingdom and you are you enter into the kingdom by being what? Born again. I am not minimizing or trivializing the importance of preaching the gospel of salvation, but part of the reason why the church is not doing in the world what the church has been put in the world to do is because we've only been preached the gospel of salvation and have not been preached the gospel of the kingdom. Amen. Amen. So when the Bible says the gospel was preached to them as well as to us, the good news that was preached to them was preached to them by a gentleman named Moses. Moses went to them and proclaimed to them what God said to him to tell them. And that message was a message of deliverance from slavery in Egypt, but also the good news that God was going to fulfill his promise to Father Abraham and bring them all the way into their best life in the promised land. That was the gospel that was preached to them. Gospel means good news. That was the good news that was proclaimed to them. And of course we see how little they responded to that message of good news. So when the Bible says the gospel was preached to them as well as to us, the message to you and me is not that God is going to set us free from slavery in Egypt. That doesn't apply to us. We're not enslaved in Egypt. We're not slaves in Egypt. Pharaoh's not making us build, you know, idols to, to himself and all this other stuff, that's, that doesn't apply to us. The good news that has been proclaimed to you and me is what Jesus brought to this earth, what Jesus has given to us, what Jesus has done for us, what Jesus has said about us, what Jesus has made available for every person who calls upon his name, amen, that's the good news that's been proclaimed to you and me. Now it says they did not enter in to the rest because what the gospel was preached to them as was preached to us as well as to them, but the word which they heard did not profit them. Do you see that word profit there let's Let's tie one more thing together, okay This word profit" is a unique word in the sense that if if you understand anything about business business basics then you understand that people are in business to earn a profit right um you know there were times that you know in in cabinet business that you know i had some salesmen that were selling jobs cheaper than what we could do the job for i mean i'm talking about you know and i'm like you know we we can stay home and lose money. I mean, you know we can go fishing and break even I mean you you follow what I'm saying here. I mean, just amen. So the idea behind profit and, and so a lot of us that's the that's the understanding that we have of this word profit, and I'm not saying that that's wrong, but it means more than that. This word profit means cause to increase, cause to further or advance this word profit also means to be useful how about this one to provide help I like this one too to provide an advantage to make better to produce growth Now, I know I just covered a lot right there. Again, the Word did not profit them. It, It did not cause them to increase. Could it have caused them to increase? Yeah. But it did not cause them to increase. Not because the Word of God was powerless to increase them, but it was because they did not mix faith with the word that they heard, and therefore it did not cause them to increase. Are you following me tonight? Could the word of God cause them to advance? Yeah, but they didn't advance. They, got, they were stuck, right? I'm sure there's nobody here stuck tonight, but you may know somebody who's stuck, okay? If you're stuck tonight, the word of God will cause you to advance. If you will hear the good news and, and mix faith with it, it will move you to the life on the other side of that wall. Amen? Amen? To be useful to provide help, to provide an advantage, to make better, to produce growth. I tried to simplify the list for you. The Word of God has the power to produce Increase, advancement, usefulness. The Bible says the word of God is profitable. Amen. In Second Timothy, usefulness, help, advantage, improvement and growth. That's what that word "profit" means. That's what that word "profit means. Just curious tonight, anybody in here could use some increase? Anybody in here need some advancement? Anybody in here need some usefulness, something that that would be useful, that would help you? How about an advantage? Anything that needs to be improved in your life. Any areas where you could use some more growth. That's what this word profit means. What they heard did not profit them because it was not mixed with faith in them that heard it. here's the good news the Bible says that the gospel that's been preached to us is better in every way than the gospel that was preached to them the covenant that we have with God includes everything that their covenant included and more it amazes me the number of people in our world today who stand in a pulpit and preach that God no longer heals people who are sick when healing for the sick was covered under the old covenant. And the Bible says it's an inferior covenant to the superior covenant that, that we now have. If, if, if they renegotiated your contract where you work And you went from the finest Blue Cross Blue Shield insurance money could buy for $5 a month, renegotiated your contract, did not increase your pay, and eliminated your health benefit. Would you call that a better contract? No. So how could one covenant include healing for the body, prosperity for the bank account, and it be an inferior covenant to the one we have, and yet people say the covenant we have doesn't include those things. Are you following what I'm saying? If the Word of God would have increased them the gospel they heard would have increased them. How much more will our gospel increase us? If the the gospel they heard would have advanced them, how much more will the gospel we're hearing advance our lives and families? If If the gospel they heard would have been useful in their daily lives, how much more will the gospel we're hearing be useful in our daily lives? How much more will it help us? How much greater advantage will it give us? How much more will it improve our quality of life? And how much more will it enable us to grow up in the things that God has for each one of us. But it still comes back to are we gonna mix faith with it? Thank you, Jesus. Let me um Let me say this and operate. I know that you may know what the word mixed means, but let's just define it anyway it means to combine or join two things together now this connects us with something very important that Jesus taught us and that is he said faith in your heart was like soil and his word was like seed if the corn seed remains in that little brown sack rolled down tight and stapled at the top on a shelf in your grandpappy's garage, is it ever going to produce any more corn? No. It's not until the corn is mixed with the soil that the potential that's in that seed is released. So is the Gospel powerful? Yes. Just like that kernel of corn is powerful. But until it's mixed with faith in your heart, the power that's in it to increase you, advance you, grow you, improve you, all of that, will never be realized. There's a theologian, his last name is Thayer, and Kenneth West quotes him a lot. Thayer said this, Thayer says it did not profit them because the hearers had not by their faith let it find its way into their minds and make it their own. One more time, they did not by their faith let it find its way into their minds and make it their own. It wasn't that they didn't hear it. It's just they thought he had to be talking about somebody else. can't be talking about me. can't be talking about my life. If he's talking about somebody righteous, he can't be talking about me. If he's talking about somebody free, he can't be talking about me. If he's talking about somebody healed, he can't be talking about me. If he's talking about somebody rich, he can't be talking about me. If he's talking about somebody strong, he can't be talking about me. Yet our gospel says He became poor so you could be made rich. He became your sin so you could become His righteousness. The Son of God became the Son of Man so the sons of men could become the sons of God. The Bible says by His stripes you were healed. The Bible says that He has given to you all things that pertain to life and godliness, that He has blessed you with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Are you following what I'm saying tonight? This is what, not that He will give, has given. Has given. So, to mix faith with this means you grab hold of this and you make it your own. You make it your own. He's not just talking about somebody. He's talking about me. And He's talking about you. Amen. Stand with me tonight. Praise God. Thank You, Jesus. Thank You, Jesus. Oh, Father, we come to You boldly tonight, sir. We come to You as those that You look forward to coming before You. Father, You you don't grudgingly give us audience. You lovingly reach out to us and welcome us into Your presence. You receive us with the same kind of smile and the same kind of love and affection and the same kind of warmness and warmth and and gentleness as you would receive Jesus Himself when He walks into your presence. You're our Father, our amazing Father. We come before you tonight and we ask you to help us. We ask you to reveal Your truth to us deep inside of our hearts tonight. Father, we recognize that You have worked through Your Son to make rest available for us. And Father, it may be generous to say, but some of us are coming short of it. Some of us are missing out on it. Some of us are still struggling in areas where there's no need to struggle. Instead of trying to do it ourselves, we need to take a deep breath, surrender to you, and enter into the rest that you've made available by faith. Oh, Jesus, how you labored. Oh, Jesus, what you endured. so that we could have a promise of rest. Father, I thank you tonight that you're awakening within us a hunger and a thirst and a desire for you and for the life that you paid such a high price for us to have like we've, like we've never hungered and thirsted for it before. Father, that you would forgive us for taking these things for granted, that you would forgive us even for our ignorance. Some, Lord, here tonight never even heard anything about this or or like this. And and yet, Father, it's it's such an integral part of what you came to do for us and and give us. So, Jesus, we take your yoke. We, We take the bond upon ourselves that makes us one with you. So that we might learn of you. And so that we might ultimately find the rest for our soul. Father, I pray right now for every person in this room. Because, Father, some are struggling. They don't even realize they are. They're struggling and they're just calling it life. They're just calling it surviving. They're just calling it what life's supposed to be like. And, Lord, it's not. And I thank you, Father, that right now you are, you are drawing Um, to our attention, areas in our lives where we have been struggling to produce a result that we can never produce without You. It's futile. It's vain. It's vanity. It's pointless. Father, I call for freedom tonight from frustration. Freedom tonight for my brothers and sisters from just being so aggravated, aggravated at themselves, aggravated at their situation, aggravated at the, at the things and choices that they've made and the things that they've done and, and, and frustrated because they should be further along than they are right now and, and all those things that the devil just tries to pile on and, and use to, to just fuel all kinds of dominant negative emotions in our lives. Father, we say goodbye to that goodbye frustration and hello rest hello rest thank you for rest tonight Lord we release it we release it in Jesus name amen and amen praise God thank you so much for being here on a Wednesday evening tell somebody around you I'm thankful for you If you see somebody you don't know introduce yourself